Well, good morning. That is powerful. Go ahead and give your neighbor a high five and say, welcome to church. Give your other neighbor a high five. Say, take me to lunch. Oh, man, it's so good being here with you this morning. Um, my name is Ben. As I was so nicely introduced, I hope I live up to all that Kristen said about me. But my wife is actually at Luminous in San Antonio. It's our Every Nation Church. She's preaching the word this morning. And uh, unfortunately, she has to preach two services. And uh, I get the opportunity to preach one service. I'm used to preaching two services, so this may go extra long this morning. Uh, just kidding. It's not going to. Hey, Jared Sykes did an amazing job last week, didn't he? Um, talking about just the unshakable word of God, the importance of the word. Um, if you missed it last week, I'd encourage you to get on the podcast. It was really powerful. In fact, um, Jared's a phenomenal speaker. Uh, Peter's a phenomenal speaker. Every time I come to Springs, I'm, I'm a little intimidated because there's like a disproportionate amount of leaders amongst the Springs. You, you walk in here and everybody's a leader. I could give this microphone to anybody right now. They'd probably come preach like a, a message that's incredible that would knock your socks off and and I'm honored and humbled to be here this morning Uh, I'm married to Brandy we have two amazing kids we have a four-year-old Benson a one-year-old baby daughter Brielle and uh, man it's just been a joy being a parent and I really believe that this summer of what you've been going through this summer of unshakables that God is God is doing a lot in you Uh, how many are going through the purple book right now uh so almost half of you are going through the purple book right now, shameless plug. It's never too late to start the purple book. Never too late to start the purple book. If you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 1. Um, that's where we'll be this morning and here in just a moment. In 2005, uh, I remember there was a horrific uh, storm that came through the United States. Y'all remember this. Uh, Hurricane Katrina went through New Orleans, and, and it, it just wrecked havoc. It was a devastation. Um, some of you were around during that time. Maybe some of you lived um, in that region during that time. Uh, this storm was, was horrible. It, it actually killed 1,245 people, um, one of the most devastating hurricanes of our time. Of, of ever being recorded. And, and I remember in 2006, as I was a youth pastor, I, I grabbed a bunch of kids and, and we went over to do hurricane relief. And, and I always think it's good to go on mission. It's good to get out of your comfort zone. It's good to go to places. That's why going to Baja, going to New Zealand, um, get, get out of your comfort zone and watch what God does. So we took 50 middle school students. God bless us. That, 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 you just, that is crazy. So we took 50 middle school students. We went over there, and then I remember stepping into the Ninth Ward and seeing houses just devastated. Uh, I remember flying into New Orleans um, just a month after, uh, or two months after the hurricane came, and there's every, every roof is tarped, and, and you could just see the trees knocked down and the devastation. And, and, and I remember going in 2006 when we were um, just sharing the gospel and helping people rebuild their homes and giving out food supplies and all this stuff um you you got to really see the power of a storm what a storm could do to somebody's life really what a storm can do when when the foundation is a little cracked a little messed up what you can see when when the levees weren't built to the standard that they were supposed to be built at 
It says that two thirds of the casualties from Hurricane Katrina were because the levees were not engineered well. They were they were underfunded. They were underfunded. And that's the point of this summer series is to put a foundation in you to put a a levy in you that is not underfunded. Uh, to bring a bring a levy about that would that would withstand the storm because how many of you know there are storms in life? Uh, I, I could ask this question: You've either been through a storm recently, you're going through a storm now, or you're about to go through a storm tomorrow. It's going to happen. Storms are going to come, aren't they? They're going to come, and I think that it is um, just the wisdom of the Springs Church to introduce this series. And I want to tell you this: I want to encourage you this. Uh, my plea, my plea for you by the end of this message this morning is that you would realize the seriousness of storms and how I need to get busy with the mission of God and start putting these foundations in me. And therefore, I'm going to rush to the back and grab a purple book and start that journey with the rest of the church because I want to weather the storm. I really believe that the Springs Church is is undersized for its calling. I, I believe that this church It is a powerful church, and that's why you're here. You believe it, too. You believe there's something intrinsically about this church that's drawn you here, whether it's the people, the hospitality, but I also think it's because of the discipleship making, the leaders that are here, the way that they pour out their heart, the way that they believe God for the impossible, not just talk about the God of the impossible. They actually walk it out. And I really believe that, that, that it's going to come and, and God is preparing you for what he's going to do. And he's preparing you for the unshakable mission in your life. Everybody say unshakable mission. Mark chapter 1. Let's read. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he, Jesus, saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea. For they were fishermen, and Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in the boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with their hired servants and followed him. The unshakable mission is the call to be, the call to be a disciple. If you're here in this place and, and you believe Jesus is Lord, you, you started answering the call to be a disciple. What, what is a disciple? Well, it's a continued learner and follower of Jesus. Somebody who's going to move into this life and, and they're going to walk this out. And, and they believe that it is following Jesus completely and fully. And it's not following a moral code. It's not following some behavior modification in your life. It's, it's not you cleaning yourself up in order to follow. It's Jesus came to you. Jesus cleaned you up, and now he's calling you to be a disciple. He's calling you to be a disciple. And as he was going along and he was calling these guys out, they were in their boat, and, and y'all may remember this. Think about your story. Think about your story when you didn't know who Jesus was. You didn't know, know what he was about, and he came along, and he came to you while you were in your boat, and he called out to you. 
He called out to you. Many of you, um, after the first week of Unshakables, uh, understood your salvation story, understood what Jesus was doing inside of you, and, and he started to call you out. He started to get you out of your comfort zone. And what I love about this verse, it says they immediately left their nets and followed Jesus. There's an immediacy to it, right? There's this, this idea that I'm going to go right away immediately. I'm going to start following Jesus. But I, I want to tell you this because we have a lot of college students in here, right? A lot of college students love this message because they're like, man, Jesus is calling me. I got to drop out of school. I got to quit the football team. Sorry, Coach Nate. And, and I got I to gotta start following Jesus fully, right? I got I to gotta start doing this. I got to immediately leave. But, but notice in this, this passage, it's not a call to reckless abandonment, but it's a call to, uh, it's a divine calling. You're called to be as a divine calling, and he gives you the provision for what you need for this calling. Think about this. He's there with their father and their father's hired servants in the boat. He, he didn't, they just didn't throw their nets and leave the boat out there in the middle of the water. No, they left it with their father and, and these servants. The, the provision was already there. They already had made a way. Um, Jesus calls you, and he always makes a way for you to be a disciple. The, the challenge is, is we, we don't like his provision sometimes. You know, we don't, we don't like all this provision. We, we like the excuses. The excuses. Uh, oh, why are you not being a disciple right now? Oh, why are you not doing the purple book? right now well why do you come to church every sixth sunday you know what 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 is your excuse i'm going to tell you that god has given you the provision to fulfill the calling to be he's given you everything you need but but man sometimes we just like our comfort oh we have our excuses man i like to party I, i like to go out with my friends to the club you know, I'm I, I just not ready yet. You know, I've been working, Pastor Peter. I've been working this job. It's retail, you know, because that's all there is in San Marcos, retail. And so I was working retail at the outlets, and, and they never let me off on Sundays. I, I would just ask you, have you ever asked? You know, have you ever, have you ever in, put in a request? I, I believe it is God's called you to be. He's given you the provision to be a disciple. He's given you, he's made a way for you. But, but we love it. We love staying in our addiction. We st- love staying in our affliction. It, it's like that nasty pimple on your face. Don't look at your neighbor if they have a pimple. But that nasty pimple on your face, you know, that you keep messing with. You ever mess with that pimple and you just start scratching it? You like pop it once and then it fills back up because it's trying to heal itself, but you don't know that because you're ignorant and you pop it again, right? And you keep popping that pimple. I remember going to Scotland in 2007 on a mission trip. I was going with a bunch of students. I was a single youth pastor. I was kind of hoping my wife was over there. Um, just that's a secret between you and me and the podcast listeners. And, and as I was going, this pimple came up on my chin. I just started messing with it for six hours on a flight to London. Bro, you should have seen my chin when I came out. I mean, my chin was like Rudolph's nose on my chin. It was, um, I could light Santa's sled with it. It was huge. It was red. It was massive. It was way bigger than it should be. And, and for some reason, we like scratching that, don't we? We like messing with that. You, you know, there's something out there. There's the enemies out to kill, steal, and destroy you. That's what the Bible says. 
He's, as he's come out to kill, steal, and destroy you, he, he's constantly bringing up that wound, and he just wants you to keep messing with it. He wants you to keep messing with it. A lot of you went to Victory Weekend a couple weekends ago, and man, wounds were healed, and, and you began to find freedom, and, and for some reason, you just went back to that scar, and you just started scratching again, Start, started itching. I don't know. Maybe it's so familiar. Maybe that's why I go back. Maybe I just like the feeling of it. I don't know what it is. But the disciples said, hey, man, we're tired of fishing. What Jesus has proposed to us is way greater than what we're doing right now. The call to be. The call to be. The call to fish for men. The call to fish for men. That, I don't even know what that looks like, but that sounds exhilarating, right? Like, I don't even know what that looks like yet, but but I've been fishing my whole life, and this is something different, maybe something better, and I really feel this call in my life, man. I want to go do that. I want to go fish for men. The challenge in our church and the challenge in churches in, in San Antonio and the challenge in my church, Luminous, is, is that people people are called to be, and they throw in their fishing rod, but they don't know how to fish. They just kind of throw it in there. Hoping something bites it. And they just sit there, just waiting and waiting and waiting. And then you reel it in and you realize there's no bait left on the hook. You were waiting there in vain. You weren't doing anything. No, no, no. Jesus is he's saying, I'm calling you to be. I'm gonna, I'm gonna call you to be a fisher for men. You're gonna catch fish. You're going to catch fish. I'm going to teach you how to do this. You remember the disciples when they were fishing all day without Jesus? And the man shows up right after the resurrection and says, throw your net on the other side of the boat. And they catch more fish than they could ever think imaginable. You know, that's the kind of fishing that Jesus teaches. I went bay fishing for the first time a couple months ago for a bachelor party. Bachelor parties are awesome. Especially when you're married. They're just like excuses to go hang out with the bros, you know, and it's viable. And so we went fishing in the bay, and I was so excited, man, about this. And I, I remember throwing my line out there, and, and I was reeling in, and I was going too fast, you know, like, woo, 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 woo. You know, I'm going to catch something. And then the fisher guy was like, slow down, slow down. So then I start slowing down. He's like, speed up, speed up. And I start speeding up. And then I start slowing down. And then I start speeding up, and I don't know what this guy's trying to say. I don't know what he's trying to do. But eventually I learned it. Eventually there was a certain technique that you do where you throw out your line and then you pop the line to make the shrimp look like it's alive in the water. And as you pop the line, the first time I started catching fish, started catching fish and they just started coming in, started coming in, started coming in. You know, a lot of you, some of you have been fishing on your own. Some of you have been fishing on your own, trying to do this on your own. Some of you just been making excuses, showing up to church, thinking you're fishing, but you're not really fishing. You know, you ever leave the line in there and just, you know, it's, it's really, yeah, I'm fishing, man, over there. My, my line's over there. You know, but Jesus wants to teach you how to fish. He wants to teach you how to catch men, catch people. Jude 1.23 says this, save others by snatching them out of the fire. Jude, I love that verse. Start saving people by catching them out of the fire, snatching them out of the fire. That, that, man, you are fire rescuers. Everybody's a firefighter in here. Everybody say, I'm a firefighter. You're a firefighter, man. You're supposed to go out there and you're supposed to catch people. You're supposed to bring them in. And, and man, there's people out there who don't know they're going to hell. 
They, they don't even know it. And, and you go out there and you tell them, hey, man, the building's on fire. Right? And, and so you go snatch them out. That's what you're called to do. You're called to be. But the unshakable mission is also a call to deny. A call to deny. Mark chapter 8 says this. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? This idea of denial of self. Denying your own ambition, denying your own agenda, denying your own selfish desires. There was this young man that I kept trying to disciple. Anybody try to disciple someone? It's like horrible. You know, and really you're just like, man, I just, they need a revelation of Jesus. This person needs to get saved and then maybe we can make some progress. Right. And so so that's what I started doing. I started telling him about Jesus, loving this kid. And, and, and man, it was for a couple of years. And then and then finally, his father sat down with him. And so it wasn't me. It was his father. Don't you hate that when you're discipling somebody and they go, dude, guess what somebody said? And you're like, dude, I've been saying that for three months, for three months. But whatever, God, whatever you want to do. So it happens. Man, I remember his father said, Dylan, you had a fork in the road. You had this place where you could go one of two directions. And you got to decide which way you're going to go. You just have to decide which path you're going to go on. We're so familiar with this point. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood. And sorry, I could not travel both. And be one traveler long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth, then took the other as just as fair, and having perhaps the better claim, because it was grassy and wanted wear. Though as for that, the passing there had warned them really about the same, and both that morning equally lay, and leaves no step had trotted black. Oh, I kept the first for another day, yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I took the one less traveled by. And that has made all the difference. It has made all the difference. I, I love this poem. Now we could break it down, and we can find all the gospel flaws in this poem. So let's not do that. Let's look at that last stanza. I chose one way, and it made all the difference. I'm going to tell you the call to deny yourself is choosing the road less traveled. Wide is the gate that leads to the destruction. Narrow is the gate that leads to life. Right? Narrow and, and take that road. It's going to make all the difference. But that road is a road of self-denial. It's a road of saying no to your own things. And, and for whatever reason, it's just so hard when we're at the fork of the road. You feel pulled both directions, don't you? Well, maybe I'll go. Um, maybe you shouldn't. You know, maybe, maybe I'll start walking now. Um, maybe you won't. Right? You, you constantly have this battle, don't you, going against you. It's like the devil and angel on your shoulder. Anybody ever, like, imagine that? 
Sometimes I'm just driving on the road and somebody cuts me off. I'm like, what shoulder am I looking at right now? You know, it is constantly that way. And it's like, you shouldn't go. You should go. You shouldn't go. You shouldn't. You should go. You shouldn't be. You should be. And it's this battle that we face over and over again. But I'm going to tell you, and I encourage you, Springs, that, that, that we need to start listening to truth. We need to start just trusting that Jesus is enough. That his path is enough for us. I meet so many people who have decided, man, I'm not going to walk on either road. I'm just going to pitch a tent right here and just look at them. You ever done that? You're just sitting there still debating in your mind, am I going to go all out for Jesus or am I going to choose myself? But the call, the missional call for your life is to deny yourself. And what's great about this is he doesn't just call you. He calls y'all. Everybody say y'all. Y'all. This you right here, it's plural, isn't it? He's calling a group of people together. He's calling you together in mission, together in community, together to deny yourself together. He's not just calling you. Quit making the gospel just all about you. It's about us. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about, it's about who we are as a people together. That God has called us. And, and in a world, a uh, western world, because this isn't a problem in the eastern world, but in a western world, it's all about individualism. It's all about me. And I just want to encourage you that he's called us together. That's why one community groups, growth groups happen this fall. You better get in one. You better get in one. And if you don't know which one to get in, start one. And a growth group is not just you. It's y'all. It's y'all. He calls them together. He calls them in the gospel community together. And, and this is so hard to deny ourselves. I was 20 years old, gave my life to Jesus when I was six. I still remember my dad was a police officer. I was in the back of his police car. I was looking out the back windshield and, and as I, the back window. And as I was doing that, I just looked up to the stars. I just said, Jesus, I want you to just live in my heart. I remember going to tell my parents about it. They didn't even share the gospel with me. I don't even know how I knew it, but I went and told them. They're like, are you serious? I go, yes, this is what I did. This is what I want to do. This is what I want to be about. And then they made me wait a year to get baptized, right? So that's probably good. Like, is he really serious? And I was, and I got baptized, and I was excited. I got filled with the Holy Ghost when I was 11, and, and, um, or baptized, immersed in the Holy Ghost and power. And, and, then, and then I lived this life, you know, to and fro, you know, um, on the path, off the path. We all do that, right? And when I was 20 years old, I was hanging out with a group of guys. They were, they were my friends, man. We called them the Wody. Yeah, it's really bad. We got it from a rap song. And... Uh, so we were the Wody, man. We were hanging out, man. We were all about life. We were all about experience. We, and the more experience you could have, the more fulfilled your life would be, right? And so we started doing things, and, and the experience that was permissible was not enough for us. So we started ha- having experienced things that were not permissible, and, and we started getting into things. And, and I realized, man, that this, this group is going the wrong direction. And it was in that moment that I realized that I am not being a disciple. It was this moment I came up to the pastor, the youth pastor at the time. I said, hey, man, I don't know what it looks like to be a disciple, but, man, will you disciple me? He said, sure, meet me at Starbucks next week at 6 a.m. 
We met at Starbucks 6 a.m. once a week for an entire year. Went through the purple book. I learned what grace was because I had a works-based theology. And, and God just started reckoning me and started saving me all over again. If that's any possible, it's not. But, but whatever. Like I started growing in Jesus and it was awesome. And I loved it. It was incredible in every way. And I realized that, that I had to leave some stuff in order to cling to him. And God is calling you to leave some stuff. He may be calling you to leave certain friend groups. He may be calling you to leave certain lifestyles. He may be calling you to leave your cell phone and get a flip phone with no internet. Somebody. There's a call to be. There's a call to go. And the unshakable mission is the call to go. Matthew 28, 16 through 20 says this. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. There, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What I love about the Springs Church, when I was talking about a disproportionate amount of leaders, is the Springs knows what it is to make disciples. They've always known what it means to go. You've been going to that university down the road for some time now. You've been sharing your two-minute miracle. You've been, you've been doing the God test with people. You've been going to your workplace, being Jesus and sharing the gospel. And, and disciples make disciples. Disciples make disciples. And, and you've been going. And, and I'm, I'm a product of the springs. And we could call ourselves Little Springs and Luminous. Because every leader that we had, when my wife and I moved there in 2014 to plant a church to a city where we didn't know anybody, we're like, man, this is scary. I don't know if I want to go do that. I don't know if I want to leave all my friendships of 30 years and and go to a city where I don't know anybody. I, I just don't know, Jesus, if that's what you're doing. But I remember going there, and there was a group of students and young professionals meeting, and most of them were reached because of the springs. The spring started discipling them, started investing in them, started pouring into them. And then they, y'all sent them out to San Antonio. And in that, those are, were our greatest leaders. And today, they're still serving in our church, making disciples. Y'all may know it, but uh, may or may not know it, but Alyssa Jobert got reached on this campus, started getting discipled. She, she came to Luminous where she met her husband and they got married and they just started inviting their neighbor to church and started sharing Jesus. Well, their neighbor just gave their life to Jesus three weeks ago and was getting baptized next week. Yeah, let's praise God for that. Come on, somebody. That's exciting. That's exciting because disciples make disciples. And here she was reached at, at Texas State. Here she was reached at the Springs Church. And now she's still making disciples because they'll do something that, that is so contagious that I want more of. Because the gospel is contagious. Um, multiplying the gospel, multiplying disciples, it's so contagious, right? It's the best thing that you can give your life to. And I'm going to tell you this. Maybe you're not in college. Maybe, maybe you're in community. Maybe, maybe you're raising kids in this church. Maybe you're an empty nester in this church. You're so valuable here. 
I hope you hear that. You're so valuable that every college student comes in here needs a mother and a father away from their mother and father. Every college student needs a hug. They're looking for a hug. They're in this church because they're looking for family. Will you be that extension of family for them? I'm going to tell you the part that you play is so important in their life, and it's going to change the world. It's going to change the world. Disciples make disciples. The question I have is, what am I doing to fulfill Jesus' command? What am I doing to fulfill this command? Francis Chan tells this story. I I love this story. It's where he tells his daughter to go clean her room. Go clean your room. He he goes check it. It's not cleaned yet. And then he says, go clean your room. And he says this multiple times, multiple times. And finally, he has to go up to his daughter and goes, he goes, why have you not cleaned your room? She goes, well, well, daddy, what I had to do is I had to first make sure that I knew where everything went. And then I had to make sure I knew where the vacuum cleaner was and, and knew where the duster was. And, and then I've been thinking about cleaning my room a lot, how I was going to approach it. I, I thought maybe, you know, I'd go left and then I decided to go right, but no, not right. Let me go to the center and let me make the bed and then the toys. No, the toys and then the bed. I've just been thinking a lot about it. The church is like that when we make disciples. We sit there thinking about how we're going to make a disciple versus just making one. Jesus said, make the bed. Jesus said, clean the room. Jesus said, make a disciple. Go make one. Quit thinking about it. You have what it takes. You have what it takes. You have more than enough. You just have to be one chapter ahead is what the great C. Merle says. Is this one chapter ahead. If I know John 3.16 and they don't, guess what? I can introduce them to Jesus, the Jesus that they don't know. With one verse, I can talk about Jesus and his love for the world and how God sent his son because he loves you. That's powerful. And then when you share that, go read another verse that week and come back and share it with them. That's what making a disciple is. How are you making a disciple in the workplace, in your campus, in your neighborhood? Who are you sharing Jesus with? Who are you fishing for? How has God sent you out? We do have a laissez-faire attitude too many times. And I think more and more with the Internet age, we have come to an age of enlightenment where we can self-discover what we truly believe in and where we can eliminate what truth really is. And we know that deism is on the rise like no other, where God is there, but he's distant. He's not in my everyday life with my everyday affairs and We know that's not true because if God's relational, he wouldn't be distant because relationship happens in proximity. So we know that God is God is near. But but if you hold to certain theologies and beliefs, it's really going to keep you back from what God has called you to do. The most important thing about this verse is that you're not alone. You're not alone. In Matthew 28, we realize that, that all authority was given to Jesus. And Jesus says, lo, though, hey, boy, I'm with you. I got your back. I'm going to give you the words to speak. I'm going to give you insight. I'm going to help you. Trust me. Trust me in this journey. For those who have not been stepping out, making a disciple, it really has to do with a lack of trust. 
in Jesus. A lack of trust in Jesus or maybe uh, not, not the right understanding of what Jesus is and who he is to you. Um, maybe because you feel like every time that you open the purple book in, book in front of somebody that you have to have all the answers, you have to know everything, but you're lacking Jesus. You're not giving them all that you know. You're giving them all of what he is, and he is enough. He is enough. So what we're called to do, for five weeks, you've been listening to sermons. The first week, salvation and sin, why is that so important? Second week, lordship, what does it mean if Jesus is master and ruler of all? Third week, we talked about repentance and how to get right back into God, the understanding of what God has done and get back in the right relationship with him. Fourth week, we talked, about, um, we talked about baptism, right? And the baptism of the Holy Spirit that you have to go. You have to go filled up, right? You can't just go empty. Have you ever tried to go empty? You have nothing to give if you go empty. Go filled up. Last week, we talked about the value of the word, and, and Jarrett laid out some importance of the word. He even gave you some challenges to start reading the word. The primary ways that God speaks, he speaks through prayer. He speaks through his word, and he speaks through other people. And so, so Jarrett told you about the word, and today I just want to commission you, recommission you for the mission, for what God has. Tiffany, if you would come up as we close this morning. I really feel like... You're, you're in one of three places this morning. You're in this place where you're just, you're hearing Jesus call out to you. And you're in your boat doing your thing, doing what you want to do, doing, doing you. But Jesus has been calling you and been knocking on your heart for some time and says, I want you to be. I want you to be a follower of me. Romans 10, 9 says this, confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart. That he raised from the dead, that you will be saved. Last week, my wife was on a mission trip, and I'm sure she's sharing this this morning at Luminous Church. She was on a mission trip, and, and it was time to wrap up everything. Uh, fiesta was happening and all that, but, but there was this girl who was excited about the mission of God. She just got saved four weeks ago, I think. She's getting baptized next week, and she's on a mission trip. And she's sharing her story of what Jesus has done. And it's incredible. And she's like, we have to keep going. We have to keep telling people the good news. Because people have been believing a lot of bad news. And we have to tell them the good news of Jesus. So they went up to this man's house. And the man invited them out inside. His name's Jose. And, and Jose's in his house. And he said, I haven't been out of my house in a long time because I suffer from seizures. I've been in here and... I've been to the witch doctor some, and, and, and that's made me feel a little bit better, I guess. And then he had his shrine over here um, to all sorts of idols. And they just started sharing the gospel. With him. Man, Jesus loves you. He can heal you. He wants to heal your heart, and he wants to make you new. You got to come to church with us tomorrow. This man, he... Uh, said, okay. They said, well, come tomorrow, pick you up. So they go pick him up, and he's in his cowboy outfit. And he says, today this cowboy's getting out. 
And they go, he goes with them to the church and the gospel is shared. The call to be. And this man raises his hand and says, I want to make Jesus Lord and Savior of my life. And right there, immediately he left his nets. Started following Jesus and got baptized that morning. Jose will never be the same because somebody went on mission. Because somebody decided to disciple. Somebody decided to share their faith. I encourage you to do that. But for you who are here, maybe you're like Jose and you haven't responded to Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity to do that here in a moment when we pray. For those who are called to be and you've been following Jesus, but you just haven't been doing much. Uh, Maybe you've been living for yourself, uh, your self-denial. Maybe that's what it's been for you. Uh, Maybe you've been selfish and it's time to move into self-denial and be selfless and realize you have to surrender everything. What road are you going to take? It's going to make all the difference. Start following that road. Start doing it. And for those who have not gone and you haven't been making disciples, maybe, maybe it's just ignorance. I just didn't know how it worked. I didn't know how to do it. But I feel like there's a little bit more clarity. I'm going to get a purple book and I'm going to talk to a friend. I'm going to start sharing the gospel with them. If you would stand with me this morning as